The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Saskatchewan Rough Riders podcast. I don't really have... Uh, don't really have anything too joyful to talk about off the top here. Um, Joel Gassner, no. John Fraser, as usual, as always. Uh, we will, of course, talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders' uh, win over the Edmonton Elks, uh, the injury to Trevor Harris, uh, the play that led to the injury, and uh, whether he should play this week against Winnipeg or not, and we'll talk a little bit about that game going forward as well. Um if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, uh, generally speaking, so I guess Jock, Dave, and Grandma, you know <laughs> you know that we generally like to keep it light off the top. We often talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with football. Uh, we like to get dumb and just, just have some fun with something sort of recent in the news that has caught our attention that we can have a little bit of fun with. Yes. Um, unfortunately, today, as we record this on Wednesday... Um, for John and I, I think especially, and for a number of people in the industry, um, the wind has kind of been taken out of our sails a little bit today. Yes. For being perfectly honest, as uh, yet again, one of the two giant medias and two giant media companies in this country, uh, Bell Media this time. So I'm sure Rogers is coming soon. Um, well, so slash- after, their, after their merger with Chorus, they're going to have a yeah. reason to get rid of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, slashed, I think it was like 1,300 jobs or something. Uh, shut down six. AM radio stations, including TSN 1260 in in Edmonton, and a number of other stations that were previously TSN that got shut down as TSNs and turned into sort of random either, you know, pre-recorded talk sort of stuff, you know, comedy or whatever that... Surprise, that didn't work. Um, Yeah, shocker. Shocker that just running stand-up comedy didn't work. Censored stand-up, censored stand-up comedy. Let's let's not forget that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or running the Business News Network, I believe, is what they were doing in Hamilton. Um, all the, all this, of course, on the, you know, there's been, you've seen, the, everyone knows how much money these two companies make. Yes. Uh, they live in a very sheltered environment in this country where the government allows basically little competition. And Bell and Rogers have basically taken advantage of that and scooped up everything along the way. And now we're just continuing to do what they want, despite in quarter two making something like seven hundred seventy-one billion dollars. Uh, it it wasn't enough, apparently. Uh, it, it, to be precise, seven hundred seventy-one million dollar profit in Q three of last year, which is the yep. last reporting profit for the company. That's a twelve point seven four percent return. I don't know any investments out there. Being a bit of a nerd in in that space, that would return you 12% in over that period, like next to none. There's nothing returning that kind of return. And so what do they do? They go ahead and they got, they got newsrooms. And the irony is, is they're sitting here, oh, you need to be more local, more local, more local. And they're going ahead and like blowing, blowing people out the door. Like I, I don't get it. And, and the one that really befuddles me is TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Like, how on earth are you taking what, realistically, that that Dust, uh, Dusty Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric and 
Jason Greger and everybody else there really took that station to mainstream appeal. I follow all those guys, and I hate Edmonton sports fans. Like, I, Oilers fans are some of the most insufferable people you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah. Uh, not all of them. I'm just painting with a broad socially social media biased uh, brushstroke here. But for those guys to be like mainstream entertainment that you could follow and and for the takes and without being too asinine, for those guys to be without a job and to do it like most terrible way possible basically like all right we're in the middle of dusty's show so what we're going to do is we're just going to pull the plug in and you're all done like it's it's laughable like it's already laughable that the state that's media in this country was in already like we're you know living here in saskatoon Mm -hmm. where they say no 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 people are served by by tsn they don't need to know what's going on with everything else meanwhile we have a whl team an nll team um University Athletic, we have all this other stuff that's been completely, like, underexposed since they made that decision. They didn't even have a full-time sports guy here in Saskatoon. And if the rumors we're hearing from a close friend of the show are true, Mm. CTV Saskatoon is basically barely existing after all this. And it's just... It's it's, it's frustrating to see that... Because the money's still there. Yes, there's no question about it. Like, like, look at what, look at when TSN or Bell Media tried this in Winnipeg. They shut down the, the TSN, oh God, I can't remember the, the, 1290, the 1290. Yeah, 1290. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so they shut down 1290. And within about a week, uh, friend of the program, Darren Bombing, and then also Hustler and Lawless, not Hustler and Lawless, Hustler, um, I can't remember who else, basically started their own brands. Yeah. And all those guys, you can look at the numbers on YouTube. They're huge numbers, right? They're live streams. They're interactivity. Look at what happened when they did it with um, out in Vancouver. Don Taylor and mm-hmm. uh, and his co-host. That's now on Sakaris TV. and Price are on, but they have their own thing as well. Exactly. So everywhere that they've done this, these guys have been able to go out with their own brand that you're just getting rid of to save, what, maybe... I don't know, like a guy like Dusty, maybe a hundred grand a year. So you're going out and getting rid of these, and all they're doing is taking your ad revenue. Like I, I don't get it. They're saying, oh, it's it's the regulatory climate, and we need to adapt, and blah blah blah. Well, you you have the adaption; it's right there. What regulatory climate? Right the one that allows them to exist in sort of basically a duopoly or oligarch, whatever you want to call it. Like, well, and, how and how what, what what I want to hear from someone within these companies that is apparently the regulations have made it so hard for them. Which is bullshit. And we like, I'm, and, like and I'm not necessarily against most of the regulations, but if you're going to blame this for the fact that you only made $770 million last quarter. In a quarter. Reported, um, In a quarter. I would like to see the homework on that. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And it's such short-sightedness that... How in a world that a company that's making billions of dollars a year, mm-hmm. and I get it, yeah, they, you see the argument, yeah, we're going to leave two hundred and fifty, we're going to lose two hundred and fifty million dollars in traditional phone service. Okay, well, if you take that out of one quarter's profit, now you're down to five hundred million bucks. <laughs> like, that's the absurd thing. I could see, and I know smaller media companies have had to do this as people shift away. They have had to cut back because they're just not making the same money they were before. But Bell is essentially looking at that, looking at the fact that if you're a Stingray radio station, and 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 you and I can both laugh at this. How many people were at the first radio station you worked at, Gassum? How many people, like, in the building? 
in the building, oh, mostly on air, but let's let's just say on air. First place you ever worked, how many people were on air when you started? Uh, when I started, there were... How many people were there? There was a morning show of two, midday, afternoon drive, evening. Evening people split with the weekend, so they we had, like, swing positions. Yeah. Um, yeah, they all, had, they all had, like, program director and music director stuff in there. And we were a newsroom of three. Okay. Plus, like, two producers... Uh, a couple of couple producer writers, promotions, three or four salespeople. Like this was a small independent station in Grand Prix, Alberta. Right, but even for a small independent station yeah. in middle of nowhere, we're talking twenty people at most. Um, yeah. Okay, so twenty-ish people. I started at the Goat in Lloydminster. Same thing, three-person morning show. Middays, two-person drive show, newsroom of the two of us, me and Jeremy Dodge, two evening slash swing, and then your normal staff. So we were around 20-ish, like I'd say probably on the thicker side of 20 with sales and everybody. Do you know how many people, how many live announcers there are for Stingray radio stations in rural Alberta? One. There's one person live. Do you know how many live announcers, and this is our friend, Graham Mossiman, whose voice you hear on this very podcast. At a station in Edmonton. Do you know how many live announcers there are? One. It's Graham. Mm-hmm. That's the state of media in this country. And yet they all come out and have to say, oh, we're crying so poor. We need to cut jobs. We need to do the Fuck off. You're paying some kid 40 grand a year to press buttons. You, you can pay two kids. Take that out of your $771 million. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, you have the ability to, where all you report to is the shareholders, and you're. To, but even with that, a twelve percent return, if you literally you could give twelve, you if you put a hundred thousand dollars in a Bell stock last year, last quarter, you just made yourself twelve thousand dollars for doing nothing. But no, we got to get the dividends. We got it. We got it. We got a gut from the bottom. Like we're not talking. They're not cutting hundred thousand dollar salaries. No, thirty ish. I mean, my first my first fucking radio job, I mean, $26,000 a year. That's the people they're letting go. And all, you're all going to sit here and cry, cry foul, and in three or four years, when those profits are gone, because nobody's listening to your shit, and everybody's switching their cell phone plans, and you haven't been allowed to merge with Rogers or Global or whoever, you're going to come cry foul to us. You're going to need taxpayer money for a bailout, because you mismanaged your company and you got rid of what made you local and everybody's going to be on XM and everybody's going to be on Spotify and everybody's going to find people like Bomber who are going to put together their own thing and be passionate as hell about it and put out content that is a hundred times better than anything Bell's going to put out. Yeah, I, I think I think the industry, and when I'm talking about the industry now, I'm not talking about the owners. I'm talking about those of us that work in it. Um, more so, not necessarily on like the jock side of things. That's slang right. for the, the people who you, who talk. If you listen to music radio, they kind of play in between sets every now and then. That's a jock. Um, for those of us who are former journalists or thought ourselves or were labeled as journalists or whatever you wanted to call us, um, I think the reckoning is coming in the sense that there is definitely not... It doesn't jive anymore. You can't. I, I, I don't think the future of journalism is going to be with any sort of large corporation, um, because the goals just do not line up in the slightest. So what no. you're going to need is you're going to need like the defector. 
You're going to need these places like that where it's like, okay, we are owned by ourselves. We will do what we can to, you know, provide ourselves with a good living. But that's where this ends. We are doing yes. this to keep ourselves and each other afloat. And we are going to do the damn the job that is needed and required from the service that people expect and need from journalism. And this isn't, this isn't yes. even about sports right now. I don't give a damn about sports in the grand scheme of things, which is a weird thing for me to say out loud as someone who yeah. talks for sports as a hobby, essentially. <laughs> um, but there is real work that real journalists do that are that is very important. And if there isn't outlets for them to do that, quite frankly, as a society, we are fucked. Yes, 100%. 100%. It's one thing... For teams to bring in Ed Tate, Rob Vanstone. Yeah. Sport, like at the end of the day, sports, fine. Like We all like to think the work we do in sports is very important. It's and not. again, I know it's weird to say this out loud, but frankly, in the grand scheme of everything, it's not. So no. yeah, if teams tighten up their, you know, who's available and teams tighten up sort of their approach to media and try to keep things in-house and control the message, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, everyone hates it. But at the end of the day... The sun's going to come up and you're not going to be running some, you're not going to be stuck in some shithole somewhere because of it. Exactly. Now, now, what scares me, and you alluded to it, mm -hmm. what happens when, you know, it's one thing, Rob Vanstone, great content, love Rob going on the riders, love the passion he brings, it's great, right? Again, it's always going to have a little bit of bias, he is a team employee. Mm -hmm. Much like I should also disclose, I am a team employee of the Saskatchewan Rush, not Bell Media. Um, well, actually, technically unrestricted free agent as of still today. But what happens when corporations start getting their own guys? What happens when political parties start getting their own guys? We already saw this with the UCP a little bit. Yeah, I mean their own news-ish broadcast. I just mean. I mean, I mean, essentially, <laughs> the main broadcast news broadcast put on by these big corporations is that you're not going to see anything about the Bell Media cuts on any CTV news today. No, of course not. So, in a roundabout way, they, they already have it. Well, that's it. That's, that, that is exactly it. You're going to have to watch Global to get it. But instead, they run their fluff pieces on their own websites to talk about it as I'm trying to find out and sort through the BS and see which former co-workers uh, won't be there anymore. Um, DMs are always open, guys. Um, always, always open. If you've been out there, if you've been affected by the layoffs, uh, both of us are here for you. DMs are always open. And I say this without the, like, say this kind of as a joke, but not really. And if you need a job, it's always car dealership hiring someplace. I can tell you that much. <laughs> if I like you enough, I can probably even get you a job at the one I work at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess on a side about Ray, um, that's all we really had to say about that. And uh, we will get to football. We promise. Yes. Um, but well, I do have a little. of you are here for. Yeah, that's what, the, that's what the three of you are kind of here for. Um, <laughs> I would be remiss, though, if he's while on the topic of media, that I didn't uh, plug the new thing that I am doing for Three Down Nation this year. Um, it's something mm -hmm, that yes. Dunk and I have kind of talked off and on about for a few years now, for being completely honest. Um, yes. And I never really... There were certain times where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. There's other times where I was just kind of didn't really want to make out the time to do it and all that. Um, now that I've kind of, I think, come to the conclusion and acceptance that sort of my quote unquote mainstream media career is over and that I'm quite content with that, that, uh, I felt more comfortable than ever to basically 
watch every CFL on TSN that a game that I can this year and then write a column about it and share my thoughts. And it's not all negative. Like I'm not just going to sit here and only produce, you know, what I didn't like on the broadcast. I would all gladly talk about what I liked as well, because as much as we crap on the CFL on TSN here, they do do some good things. Oh yeah, absolutely. In between some of the other things we don't necessarily like. Uh, so you can catch uh, the first three downs on the CFL on TSN. Uh, you can read that up on uh, three downnation.com if you haven't already. Well, and let's face it. I mean, talking about us saying good things about it. Um, I think in terms of the power rankings of people we respect slash have a little bit of a broadcasting bro crush on in this mm-hmm. podcast, Sergio's still number one. Dusty Nielsen might be number two. Yes. And I mean that is no disrespect to anybody else. To no, and like the DTs. I, just to give you a little tease of the article, I I, I do think Dustin Nielsen's broad his call is only getting better. And yes. that game with Dwayne Ford on Friday night was just a master class from both of them. Well, 100%. It was just outstanding stuff. So, uh, no, it's not all negative. It's, uh, it's, I like it. It's objective. But like you said, you don't have to worry about burning any bridges with uh, Atomic Fire Fraser style because you're retired. Mm-hmm. And I'm technically a contracted employee <laughs> of other people. A hired goon. That's right. Yes, I'm the goon. <laughs> I am the goon. <laughs> Uh, so we do have uh, a rider game to talk about, of course. The win over the Edmonton Elks, barely. Um, the Trevor Harris situation, and a look ahead a little oh bit to uh, this week's game against the Bombers. Uh, but as usual, John, before we get into all that, uh, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? Um, well, yesterday, uh, fun story, I was out there in plus 30 at a golf tournament where I had a DD uh, to and from. Uh, and the golf course I was at, Moon Lake Golf and Country Club, out here in Saskatoon, uh, had... Readily available on the beer carts and at the bar, the Saskatoon Berry iced tea from Lucky Bastard. So instead of having on a hot day, mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than getting a beer and then it's like warm and gross, like about halfway through. Mm. Those Saskatoon Berry iced teas, you can drink like even when they're a little warm and holy crap, I had way too many of them, Joel. <laughs> um, I can tell you for the second time in what? Five, six years of doing this, something like that. I don't know. I don't. I've we're kind of we're count. really good historians uh, of our own podcast, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Clearly, <laughs> we clearly track this shit. Um, all I know is we came very close for the second time ever having water be what's in the glass. But uh, no, put on my big boy pants, a little lucky bastard bitters, a little lucky bastard vodka, a little lime, a little lemon, and that's what's in the glass. Nice. Um, I did get my first 12-pack of Lucky Bastard Iced Teas delivered today oh, from the company, so, so that's uh, that'll be appreciated uh, this weekend and beyond. Uh, for me, though, I picked up from today, I picked up today just because I uh, wanted to, was the new Yuzu Spritz Pale Ale from Heike Brewing. It is uh, this year's SCBA, the Saskatchewan Craft Brewers Association Collaboration. So basically all the profits head back into the association for that one. Uh, No actual yuzu in it, uh, but they describe it. uh, This pale ale is bright, light, and refreshing, showcasing a unique blend of hops with notes of grapefruit and lemon. Sounds delicious. Thank you. Sounds like some... Sounds... It's kind of white IPA-ish, but a little bit of a different citrus profile, essentially, is how I describe it. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, now I am very interested and have to have to go get some. And I d- definitely didn't think that I'd want to drink anything carbonated or beer-like for at least two days. Well, 
You surprise yourself sometimes. Well, you know what? For <laughs> Sometimes you just got to rally, Joel, because I know I am going to the game on Friday mm-hmm. and taking a bus down. So I will put on my proverbial big boy pants. The Riders, they rallied, of course, on Sunday evening. As, yeah. Uh, they beat the Edmonton Elks 17-13. Not exactly the most exhilarating football games anyone's ever watched, but I no. it's week one, and I think for the most part, um, kind of what I expected. I, I honestly thought the Riders were going to find a way to lose the, that game. And when they yep. kind of got that chintzy pass interference, that illegal contact into pass interference call that put the Elks at the one, I was like, oh yeah, here we go. Yep. And then um, we'll start with the positives from this game, and that was... The defense. Yeah, and oh there my is, goodness, yes. And it feels very much to me like there was a bit of a shift in tone from Jason Shiver's defense this year. I think over the last, since he's taken over from Chris Jones as defensive coordinator, um, he's obviously done a very good job. We've been very, we've been, we've heaped a lot of praise on his defense mm-hmm. his entire time. Mm-hmm. But we've kind of described, it's been more sort of a... I don't want to say bend but not break, but a more sort of traditional style, sort of, you know, technique strong, guys in the right spot kind of defense. Yes. Um, And it still is that for in a lot of ways, but it feels like they've ratcheted up the physicality a few percentage notches. And that's just from a couple of guys alone, because there were some big hits early in that game that were very, seemed very much like a message from to the league from this defense being like, we're a little different this year. Yeah, certainly. A lot more physicality, a lot more meanness. I mean, you're not going to stop a team three times from the one without being extremely physical. Like, that's just like, let's face it. When you're down at the one-yard line, it is just pure physicality. You know that they're going to drop something. You just got to beat the guy in front of you, get over top of them. And, yeah, it definitely a change. Really worked for them because, again... Um, if you would have told me that Trevor Harris would be under 200 yards with more interceptions than touchdowns in his debut and the Riders would win, hmm. I would have called you crazy. But that's exactly what happened. That's how good this defense was. They, the, the offense was showing some signs of life, some signs of improvement compared to last year. But it was the defense that won them this game, and they didn't do it in a flashy pick six no. city kind of way. They just... They just outplayed Edmonton. They were just more physical than Edmonton. Um, and again, it helped the team hold on to the ball a lot longer. They had it for 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted as well that your boy Taylor Cornelius looked <sighs> like maybe the worst quarterback in the league in that game. Oof. <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. The uh, far the um, Fraser curse might be more powerful than the Farhan, or not the Farhan, their Rash Madani boost. Yeah. Um, as a Rash came out and said, hey, he's a sneaky candidate here for MOP, and then just comes out and looks like crap. Although, he did throw for more yards than Trevor well, I, Again, Again, 108 of them were on one pass to Geno Lewis. <laughs> yeah, so take 108 out of there, and you're left with uh, 94 yards passing outside the G- Geno Lewis play. And they, yeah, I think they only converted like three second downs or something stupid. So yeah, yeah, it's it's also funny as I've uh, as I've got the uh, the new stats platform up here, uh, how broken it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, Cornelius's long pass of the night was 17 yards, and we mm-hmm. all know that is not true. 
Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 <sighs> that's a thing. That's what a whole disaster. Eugene Lewis is. had his 102 yard reception. They're calling it 102. So yes, he had exactly mm. 100 passing yards on his 12 other attempts. <coughs> yeah, I mean this. Sorry, this, was... this whole stats thing is just. <sighs> it's it's imp- it's hard to take it in right now when with the league that's trying to make itself look serious and you know present itself in the 21st century and here we are heading into week two when we don't know if the stats are going to be working yet yes and and also my um my application to get the game stats page Mm -hmm. uh is still pending Hmm. interesting and that's over a week now yes so hey the cfl everybody yeah um of course, Taylor Cornelius wasn't the only quarterback in that game. Uh, Trevor Harris, as we mentioned, uh, didn't have the best night. Um, I, I don't think any of us were expecting, you know, greatness out, out of his first start. Um, it's an entirely new offense. You know, new quarterback, sort of rebuilt offensive line, new receivers, new offensive coordinator, new system, new everything. Yes. So to expect the offense to come out and light the world on fire would maybe be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, they maybe yes. underperformed a little bit to expectations, but for the most part, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much yet. I would give it a few weeks to see how this sort of starts to come together because that's generally how these things work, especially when you're starting quarterback, you know, through exactly four passes in the preseason against a bunch yes. of backups. So, well, it, and, and that's it. And you're absolutely right with that gas. Cause the other thing too, I mean, when you're looking at the underlying stats, you had 20 runs between yeah. Morrow and Hickson. Like to me, that's that's the important thing. That's the thing that they and got away of, from I mean, a little bit. Most of them, they only got most of those yards in the fourth quarter when it started working, and they actually closed the game up. Before that, they were just beating themselves into a wall on first down for some reason. That's... <laughs> well, well, and the thing is too is like that's when you need your running backs to come up yeah. big like that, right? Yeah, no, the other sure. thing I I, re- I really like there was not a lot of like the the ball got spread around passing wise. Mm-hmm. Right, like looking yeah, like, at look very, at the res- it's very clear that Trevor Harris doesn't have like a a favorite. Well, yeah, he probably no. has a favorite, but he's not like he doesn't zone in on certain guys for sure. No, he he distributes the ball. That's what he's known to do. And I don't think any of us thought that this offense was going to be world beaters. But unlike no. last year, I don't think that they're going to handicap your chances to win a game. No, right? and like, I mean we'll see if they put another performance like that against you know another competent offense. That might be a different story, but right. Against the Edmonton Elks, it was enough. But, of course, the conversation of that game turned very quickly. Um, <laughs> in the final minute of play, about 28 seconds left, to be exact, I believe, um, Craig Dickinson, the head coach, was left with a choice. Yes. Um, he could have kicked, like, a 30-something-yard field goal, which, sure, would have been fine. I yep. Like, I don't think it would have been necessarily a wrong decision. No. Um, or... I mean, you... The thing is with the field goal, you're always setting up the potential of a long return, especially those short ones, right? Yeah, well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Well, the other option, which is the one he took, which was have Trevor Harris run around for a little bit and then eventually just throw it away. Right. And so before we get into what actually happened to Trevor Harris, because <laughs> that's a different part of the equation that should have been solved differently. Yes. The actual process that Craig Dickinson went through and made the decision of the initial play call. We'll get into why Trevor Harris should not have been the guy to do it, but the the actual play call itself, I actually agree with and I actually like. Because I love it. you're presented basically the Edmonton Elks 
And then, you know, the field, that's why the field goal isn't bad. Your percentages of winning are still astronomical. They still need some kind of miraculous play to score a touchdown. Yes. But basically the Elks in that scenario have three ways they can likely score a touchdown. Number one, if, if you kick the field goal and you miss, there's a return mm-hmm. field goal touchdown. Number two, yes. either you make the field goal and kick off, and then they either, they maybe after return that, depending on how much time is left, or if they get another play, they need a Hail Mary, f- probably for a pass interference call, followed by another right. Hail Mary for a touchdown, or they need to do the near impossible and score on the hook and ladder. Yes. So out of those scenarios, Mr. John Fraser, which would you say is likely the the more likely to happen? Um, I would say the most likely out of all of those would be the missed field goal return. Mm-hmm. So I would to be, say... To be, to be entirely honest. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, statistically, they're probably all not that far off from each other. Right. Like in terms of like actuality of happening, like for the sake of math, there's, let's say, a 25% chance of a missed field goal being returned for a touchdown. Maybe like a... 5% chance on the double Hail Mary and like a 1% chance on the hook and ladder. So right. odds are in all three scenarios, they're still going to go on to win the football game. And as a guy who appreciates process over results, as we talk about on this podcast, I like the process of the decision Craig Dickinson made not to kick the field goal and kill as much clock as possible by having the quarterback run around. The yes. issue that I have with the play was that he chose to keep his starting quarterback out in that role. And sure, 99 times out of 100, the guy is probably not going to get hurt in that scenario. But guess what? This was the 1-100, one in 100, and now Trevor Harris is hurt because he didn't put Shea Patterson out there. Well, and and another to add to the other things that could happen, a fumble could happen. So you got to think, yeah. like, in a play like that, the defensive linemen, they have their ears pinned back because they know exactly what's going to happen, right? Yes, you could have a fumble, but just as easily as you could have a blown coverage and all of a sudden Trevor Harris has a man wide open. But it blows me away that they left Harris out there, especially with them basically coming out of the preseason and saying, okay, we're going to design packages for Shea Patterson. Yeah. They basically, were, he's going to be our running guy. He's going to be our change of pace guy. Here's what he's going to do, right? So even if Patterson doesn't throw it away, even if he just runs around for a while and then slides when he's about to get his bell rung, then that's still better off than what happened to Trevor Harris. Like, I don't understand why a guy who's approaching 40 is the guy you roll out there to to take that play. To, and, 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 and this is a, a, you know, sort of a thing that's fallen back on the coaching staff. Is he's apparently been the one practicing this, and my question is why? Right. Why? That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Hell, you'd be better off you'd be better off having your punter run around for a bit and then boot it. Yeah, like, I mean have your punter run back like twenty yards and then kick it. That's that's <laughs> like that's like you exactly. used to like when you know the old the, the old game NFL blitz where you'd like run back like twenty yards and then throw like an eighty yard touchdown pass. <laughs> Right, right. Basically, or, that or minus ta- the touchdown pass. <laughs> or Tecmo Bowl when you get used to get Bo Jackson, and the way to get Bo Jackson was to run everybody back to the end zone and then run through everybody. Yes, exactly, exactly like that, but less Bo Jackson. Um, why on earth would Trevor? I-, I didn't know that till now. That yeah. Trevor Harris was the guy practicing that. That makes absolutely no sense at all, especially when they clearly trust Patterson enough to let him stand in there and throw. Because mm-hmm. there was the one play where Patterson threw the ball. Yeah, he came in for a short yardage. They kept him in on first down, like sort of that package calls for sometimes. Yes. And then they pulled up Blue Bombers and he passed. When well, they had not established the run with him at all yet, really. 
Right, and, and, and that's it. So obviously you trust him to pass in that spot. Why would you not trust him to run yeah. around and pass? Because let's face it, the, you know, the Riders have a very much clear-defined starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and then three other guys who might be the backup that week. Well, so yeah. based on what we've heard from practice this week with Trevor Harris being quote-unquote limited, is it, I guess Mason finds the backup because he's been taking the snaps when Harris hasn't been. Well, that's even so. uh, it, after... after um, after Dickinson tried to pull his best uh, Craig or uh, Chris Jones impression today at practice, I love that uh, Britton Gray from CKOM basically went, "All right, so did Mason fine throw the ball a lot?" And he slipped up and went, "Yeah, he did. He looked great." <laughs> like, like, yeah. Kudos to Britton for that for not like for just finding a different way to phrase the question and catching Dickinson in that. So, I mean, even look, you know, even look at our website. You look at Three Down Nation. It's talking yeah. about how. Dickinson says, oh, yeah, no, no, he's going to practice Wednesday. It'll be fine. Well, Wednesday came and he didn't practice. Yeah. So and that as, leads as the old me saying believe... goes, practice don't lie. It's true. And that leads me to believe that uh, on Friday night, on top of Kim Mitchell, we're going to see Mason Fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest. I if there's, if there's at all any doubt, if there's at all any question about how healthy Trevor Harris is going into this game, he shouldn't play. No. I know it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know, it's the I know that every game matters and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, you already have the 1-0 start. If you're 1-1 after two weeks, it's not terrible. It's fine. In CFL. Yeah. As we said, all you got to do is tread water until Labor Day. Yes. And, I mean, there's a pretty good chance they could lose this game with Trevor Harris anyway. Right. So, why not? And, to me, the main thing, and this is this will be sort of a defining moment of this season for Craig Dickinson. In terms of, okay, did he learn anything from last season and the debacle that it was? Yes. Because we all we all heard the stuff in the offseason about how injured Cody Fajardo was and how he probably shouldn't have actually played, etc., etc., etc. Well, here we are again. Now, maybe yes. Trevor Harris isn't nearly as hurt as Cody Fajardo is, but it's still kind of the same thing. So if he's at all, the fact that he hasn't practiced every snap that he would normally practice all week this week... I would say do not put him in this football game. The bigger picture is far more important than any one game, especially on June 16th. Yes. Well, especially when you're playing a team like Winnipeg that has, like, the defense for Winnipeg look just as mean as ever. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing too. You're not playing a team that's not known for physical play. You're not. You're. You're basically you played Sunday. Now you're going to play Friday, yeah. even if it is something just as simple as a Charlie horse. Right or is some sort of you know bruise or something like that. He's going to affect other parts of his game, and if he doesn't play on Friday, now you have all the way till June the twenty fourth when you play a Calgary team that's looking like you might be right early on, Joel. Yeah, you've got some time to rest your number one quarterback, who again, as as you and I had just discussed last week, you it's not about cruise control no. for being, you know, 15 and three. No, it's about how well are you playing at the right time of the year? Because I mean, you look at the, you look at the, just looking across the West division right now, you're one of two, one and O teams. Yep. You play the other one, even if you're one and one in a worst case scenario, you're still in a pretty good spot because you got BC and Edmonton going head to head. Calgary's going to take on Ottawa. So you're right in the mix mm-hmm. and it's early. Like, yeah, the, like this, this isn't the NFL. <laughs> And, no. and and like even that's changed. Like I remember even five years ago, there was, there was the stat was basically in the NFL. If you started zero two, you were doomed. Yes, it's slowly changing a bit down there, even too. But in the CFL, I mean, when you're six of nine teams make the playoffs, I mean, 
The last time the Riders hosted the West Final, they started that year 0-2. Yes, that's right. I remember that. They started last year 4-1. and yeah. So, I mean, none of this, all this counts in the standings right now. But when it comes time to October and November, it doesn't actually matter unless you go about things the right way and you build your processes and make sure you keep the guys that you need to keep as healthy as possible. Now, but the question comes down to, we all know that out of all CFL coaches, the seat is probably hottest under Craig Dickinson's ass. Does Craig let that creep into his mindset? Does Craig go, this is best for me to keep my employment and my salary and to keep my future prospects open and puts Trevor Harris out there at 70%? I mean, that, that would be, that would be coach thinking. I, I don't think it would actually be best for his future employment. No, if you if he actually like took a second look at it, if he if he sat if he thought that at all, then he needs to sit back and take a second thought, look at that, and be like, okay, you know, is one game of Trevor Harris worth potentially worsening his injury and then pretty much guaranteeing my ticket out of town? Versus, okay, maybe he sits a week or two, maybe we lose both games, but we're he comes back and we have a chance. Well, and here's the other thing too: they got an early bye week this year. If Harris sits the next two, he's essentially given a month off. But you're only missing two games. Mm-hmm. And then you don't play till July the 6th again in Edmonton. So yeah. it's it's that to me is going to be interesting. And that to me is going to show if Trevor Harris, while I'm out there probably a dozen beers deep uh, in the lower bowl, wearing my Sergio jersey, if uh, <laughs> Trevor Harris is out there, I got a pretty good chance to say that, yeah, Craig Dickinson didn't learn anything. And that seat will just continue to get hotter under his booty. It's entirely possible. Um, so despite all that, um, so because the games this year are all, at least for until the NFL season starts, are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, all the contributors on 3 Down Nation who have to get their picks in have to basically have it in by earlier on the day on Wednesday. I failed out my picks on Tuesday night. Oh. Even though, even though Trevor Harris what at the time was still questionable and I felt would remain questionable. I just have this, you know, I'm taking a bit of a shot at a left field here. I feel like, despite everything and everything we've said, I feel like the Riders are due for one of those dumb wins or you're just left wondering how the hell they did that. Because yeah. the, this, this team is filled, this, the history of this team, as much as we talk about games where they completely shit the bed against bad teams, they tend to have those games where everyone writes them off because, you know, reasons X, Y, and Z, and they're playing a good team, and then, sure enough, they win the game. And and let's not forget that Winnipeg is one and twenty six in the last twenty seven games with me in the stands. That may be the most super stat there is about this game. <laughs> Speaking of riders. media that is no longer with us, yeah. 